Gracious God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we do uh, praise you uh, for your goodness, um, your steadfastness, uh, your um, long-suffering, loving kindness uh, that we see displayed uh, toward your people and toward us. Uh, we thank you for you sending your prophets again and again uh, to proclaim your word to your people that they might uh, hear and repent and uh, trust in you. Uh, and we thank you that uh, you've written that word uh, for us, uh, that you took uh, words of prophets like Jeremiah and written them down so that they are ever before our eyes. Uh, help us uh, to, to listen uh, to the words. Help us to uh, see the truths that you lay out in your scriptures. Help us to be doers of it, um, not uh, tossing it away, uh, tossing it aside, but um, hearing and understanding, uh, repenting uh, and coming uh, in faith to you. Uh, for you truly are our only hope. We pray for our Savior Jesus Christ uh, to teach us this morning by your Spirit. Uh, help us see our need for our Savior. Help us see um, the goodness of our God. Help us see the depths of our sin that we might um, come to an end of ourselves and uh, see the, the beginning of your uh, eternity uh, and the promises that uh, you alone can bring and deliver. Uh, help us now uh, as we speak of these things together. Guide us into all truth, we pray, in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 36. And as you're turning there, let me just recap um, what we've been doing. So uh, we, we had been in, to, in the stunning heights of promise and blessing announced in chapters 30 to 33, um, this book of consolation. And then last week, we looked at chapters 34 and 35, in which Jeremiah returned to the primary theme of most of the book, which is the abysmal failure of the people of Judah as they continue to exhibit uh, unfaithfulness. Um, as we talked about, the chapters 34 and 35 kind of went together uh, on this theme of faithfulness, even though chronologically um, they weren't connected. Uh, one looking at, at the last king, Zedekiah, chapter 34, and then chapter 35 turning to Jehoiakim. So chapter 34 we talked about last week illustrated the people's guilt before God. Uh, just a recount, in the midst of a siege, um, they made this pledge that they would free their fellow um, uh, Israelites who they had enslaved. Um, uh, but once the, the siege is, is temporarily lifted, they renege on those promises and they drag those um, fellow Israelites back into bondage. So they had gone through this elaborate covenant ceremony, and we got details of what a covenant ceremony looks like, only to instantly break pledge uh, once the crisis had passed. Um, Jeremiah showed them how they had sinned, not just against their fellow Israelites, but against God to whom they had made a vow and whose laws from Deuteronomy 15 they had broken. And then in chapter 35, over against these uh, examples of unfaithfulness, Jeremiah used the faithful conduct of the Rechabites as a, a living uh, sermon. <laughs> um, again, a, a visual prophetic 
um, picture of what faithful looks like. And just to recount, uh, the Rechabites' uh, ancestor Jehonadab, uh, son of Rechab, had pledged them to a life of uh, a nomadic lifestyle and that they would abstain from wine. And when Jeremiah in the temple in front of all these people invites them to, to uh, partake of this wine, they refuse. And, and again, um, declaring their steadfastness to this word of their ancestor uh, that he had pledged long ago, and, and they were being faithful to that pledge. So the sons of Jonadab, um, uh, you know, give this example, and, and Jeremiah's message is how much more would the people of Judah gain by keeping God's word, which brought abundance and blessing. But as God said, you did not incline your ear or listen to me. The sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have kept the command and obeyed me. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I'm bringing upon Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the disaster that I've pronounced against them because I have spoken to them and they have not listened. I've called to them, but they have not answered. So today, as we turn to chapter 36, we'll again see Judah's stubbornness, um, this time returning to uh, particularly leadership and the focus here in the story that we're given in chapter 36 is on the actions and attitude of King Jehoiakim at a crucial moment in Judah's history. Um, we'll see that God commands his words to Jeremiah be written down on a scroll and proclaimed to the people so that everyone may turn from his evil way and that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. When the officials bring this scroll to the king, however, there's no tearing of robes or other signs of repentance. There's only scorn as the king cuts and burns the scroll while ordering Jeremiah and Baruch be arrested. Um, in this chapter, um, if, if you're interested in, in doing kind of further study, compare this chapter um, with 2 Kings chapter 25. Um, there are a lot of parallels between the moment in which the scroll of the law, the book of the law, is found in the temple and how King Josiah reacts to that scroll and how King Jehoiakim reacts uh, to this scroll um, that's presented to him in Jeremiah 36. So with that as a word of introduction, uh, hear now the word of God from Jeremiah chapter 36. In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Take a scroll and write on it all the words that I have spoken to you against Israel and Judah and all the nations, from the day I spoke to you, from the days of Josiah until today, it may be that the house of Judah will hear all the disaster that I intend to do to them so that everyone may turn from his evil way and that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. Then Jeremiah called Baruch, the son of Neriah, and Baruch wrote on a scroll at the dictation of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord that he had spoken to him. And Jeremiah ordered Baruch, saying, I am banned from going to the house of the Lord, so you are to go, and on a day of fasting, in the hearing of all the people of the, in the Lord's house, you shall read the words of the Lord from the scroll that you have written at my dictation. You shall read them also in the hearing of all the men of Judah who come out of their cities. 
It may be that their plea for mercy will come before the Lord and that everyone will turn from his evil way for great is the anger and wrath that the Lord has pronounced against this people. And Baruch the son of Uriah did all that, the, all that Jeremiah the prophet ordered him about reading from the scroll the words of the Lord in the Lord's house. In the fifth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, in the ninth month, all the people in Jerusalem and all the people who came from the cities of Judah to Jerusalem proclaimed a fast before the Lord. Then in the hearing of all the people, Baruch read the words of Jeremiah from the scroll. In the house of the Lord, in the chamber of Gemara, the son of Shaphan, the secretary, which was in the upper court at the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house. When Micaiah, the son of Gemara, son of Shaphan, heard all the words of the Lord from the scroll, he went down to the king's house, into the secretary's chamber, and all the officials were sitting there. Elishama, the secretary, Delilah, son of Shemaiah, Elnathan, the son of Akbor, Gemara, the son of Shaphan, Zedekiah, the son of Hananiah, and all the officials. And Micaiah told them all the words that he had heard when Baruch read the scroll in the hearing of the people. Then all the officials sent Jehudai, the son of Nethaniah, son of Shalamiah, son of Cushi, to say to Baruch, take in your hand the scroll that you read in the hearing of the people and come. So Baruch, the son of Neriah, took the scroll in his hand and came to them, and they said to him, sit down and read it. So Baruch read it to them. When they had heard all the words, they turned one to another in fear. And they said to Baruch, we must report all these words to the king. Then they asked Baruch, tell us, please, how did you write all these words? Was it at his dictation? Baruch answered them, he dictated all these words to me while I wrote them with ink on the scroll. Then the officials said to Baruch, go and hide you and Jeremiah and let no one know where you are. So they went into the court to the king, having put the scroll in the chamber of Elishama, the secretary, and they reported all the words to the king. Then the king sent Jehudai to get the scroll, and he took it from the chamber of Elishama, the secretary, and Jehudai read it to the king and all the officials who stood beside the king. It was the ninth month, and the king was sitting in the winter house, and there was a fire burning in the fire pot before him. As Jehudai read three or four columns, the king would cut them off with a knife and throw them into a fire in the fire pit until the entire scroll was consumed in the fire that was in the fire pot. Yet neither the king nor any of his servants who heard all these words were, was afraid, nor did they tear their garments. Even when Elnathan and Delilah and Gamariah urged the king not to burn the scroll, he would not listen to them. And the king commanded Jeremiel, the son, king's son, and Sariah, the son of Azrael, and Shelemiah, the son of Abdeel, to seize Baruch, the secretary, and Jeremiah, the prophet. But the Lord hid them. Now after the king had burned the scroll with the words that Baruch wrote at Jeremiah's dictation, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, take another scroll and write on it all the former words that were in the first scroll, which Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, has burned. And concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah, you shall say, thus says the Lord, you have burned the scroll, saying, why have you written in it that the king of Babylon will certainly come and destroy this land and will cut it off from man and beast? 
Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah, he shall have none to sit on the throne of David, and his dead body shall be cast out to the heat by day and the frost by night. And I will punish him and his offspring and his servants for their iniquity. I will bring upon them and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem and upon the people of Judah all the disaster that I have pronounced against them, but they would not hear. Then Jeremiah took another scroll and gave it to Baruch the scribe, the son of Neriah, who wrote on it at the dictation of Jeremiah all the words of the scroll that Jehoiakim, king of Judah, had burned in the fire, and many similar words were added to them. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word. May he bless it as we speak of it together this morning. Okay, just to give you a, a little context before we dig into this, uh, if you'll remember, we, we had a very similar um, uh, moment in the reign of King Jehoiakim. Uh, if you think back uh, in chapter 26, uh, in the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came from the Lord. So we're we had a similar moment um, in which uh, that was the moment Jeremiah literally like, was on trial uh, for his life. So uh, the narrative of this chapter is set in the fourth year of King Jehoiakim. This is the year King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon defeated the Egyptians at Carchemish. So, um, and Jehoiakim uh, was uh, an Egyptian lackey, puppet, however you want to describe it. So he had allied himself with the Egyptians. Uh, his big kind of protecting ally has just been defeated in this very year. Um, and then at the moment uh, in verse 9 when the, the scroll is read, the ninth month of the fifth year of Jehoiakim, uh, this was about the exact moment Babylon had defeated the, uh, um, the Philistine city of Ashkelon. Um, so, 50 miles away from Jerusalem uh, in that uh, verse 9 is the Babylonian army. So, um, so, we're at the moment where power has just completely shifted to the Babylonians. Um, and that's the moment in which uh, God tells um, Jeremiah uh, to produce this scroll. So, what's the purpose of this scroll um, that God commands Jeremiah to um, have Baruch the scribe write down for him. Yeah, David. Do you think it's, is it really to provoke the king to burn? I mean, that's what happens, obviously. So, but is that the purpose? Is that what God wants? He wants the king to burn it? Good question. Probably two. This is probably, most people think this scroll that he, he had was about chapters 1 to 25. We don't know, but that's like the guess. It's
I mean, again, most people think it's chapters 1 through 25 so of Jeremiah. So if, as you think of this scroll that Baruch wrote down and presented, you know, pro, like we have three readings of it. So he reads it in the temple to a big audience, and that's what he's commanded to do. Like he's not commanded to take it to the king. He's commanded to take it to the people. So as we think of the first primary purpose of the scroll, the purpose of the scroll is to proclaim this, this message to all the people and take a scroll that I have spoken against Israel and Judah and all the nations from the day I spoke to you from the days of Josiah until today. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the disaster that I intend to do them so that everyone may turn from his evil way and that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. That is the primary audience, is the people, and the primary purpose is for the people to repent. Now, now we get to this moment where, again, it's like we, we're ending today for the summer break. <laughs> uh, but when we pick up, we pick up at the destruction, like when we get into chapter 37, uh, it's Jeremiah being thrown into, you know, imprisoned, um, Judah's under siege. It's the last days of King Zedekiah. So we're going to switch from this moment to the end. So if you kind of think of that, like here's a moment where the word of God is proclaimed publicly to the people. It's then read, like I love the, like it's, this is a great story chapter. So like the story starts with this public proclamation and then it's brought in and they ask Baruch, hey, read it again. <laughs> so he reads it again. Um, and then uh, we'll talk about in a little bit how the officials react. And then it's taken to the king. And for a third time in this chapter, all the words of the scroll get read once again. So we have the scroll being written. Um, and notice, <laughs> you know, we, this is one of those great moments where we see the process of making scripture. Uh, again, to your point, you, he, Jeremiah prophesied lots of things. Like, but this is the moment there, all those things, everything he's, he's prophesied in the 23 years since he started in the reign of Josiah until this moment in that 23 year period, this is the collection of Jeremiah's greatest hits that God has, all that God's told him in those 23 years, he's writing down into this scroll and it's being proclaimed. Like, again, like think of that, all the individual message that Jeremiah has pre preached time after time again. Now they're all collected and they're read all at once. You know, and first to all the people in the temple and then to these officials and then to the king. Um, and, you know, this story is kind of pivotal because, you know, if the buck stops <laughs> with the king, uh, it's, it's a bad moment uh, for Judah. Yeah, Greg?
<laughs> yeah, and the deliberateness, like, you know, when you get to that, like, it's a, it's, like, we, we've, like, one of the, the kind of refrains we've heard, you know, through Jeremiah at this point, is they refused to hear. They refused to listen. The people did not listen to what Jeremiah said. And, and what a more stark picture of the refusal to listen than this. And, and notice it's not like, it's not like you can imagine, like, I don't want to hear that and kind of in a rage tossing it in a fire. Like, uh, this is deliberate. This is taking <laughs> effort. All right. <laughs> like, you know, it's taking a little more work on his part. Like, it is very deliberate destruction of the word of God that the king is doing. And, like, uh, the contrast between the king's action, and to go back to my question, what's the purpose of the scroll? The purpose of the scroll is to promote repentance and that the people would be delivered from this disaster. Like, that's the point of the scroll. Perhaps the people this time will listen. Uh, it may be that the house of Judah will hear all the disaster that I intend to do to them so that everyone may turn from his evil way that I might forgive their iniquity and their sin. Um, and then verse 7. It may be that their plea for mercy will come before the Lord and that everyone will turn from his evil way for great is the anger and wrath that the Lord has pronounced against this people. So the intention is, is repentance. The intention is maybe they'll respond to a written scroll <laughs> more than they've responded to uh, oral sermons. Um, maybe this time hearing the totality of everything that I've told Jeremiah from Josiah to now, and to your point, Greg, like they've seen so much of it come to pass. Like, you know, we saw that contest uh, a few chapters back between how do you know a true prophet from a false prophet? Well, the true prophet, when he says something and it comes to pass, that's a, a sign <laughs> that that is someone who has been sent. And we've got a 20, Jeremiah is a 23 year track record at this moment that's being proclaimed before the people. God has a 20 or a much longer <laughs> track record of faithfulness to his people, but you know his consistent messages over 23 years to this prophet who from the beginning, remember, what, what's the first thing that, you know, the very first prophecy that Jeremiah receives, an enemy from the north is gonna come bringing destruction. What's happening at this very moment Babylon's just crushed the Egyptians. Babylon's 50 uh, miles away, crushing Ashkelon. Uh, I think that enemy from the north is the identity of who that is, is pretty clear <laughs> at this moment. Um, and it should be a moment. And notice like the, the sense of expectation. Like uh, neither the king nor any of these servants who heard all these words was afraid nor did they tear their garments. Again, that, what, what's, what's the appropriate response? Repentance, <laughs> like visible repentance. And the contrast between when King Josiah, the book of the laws discovered in the temple, and it's a, the same track record, or the same path. Uh, somebody finds it, they read it. They take it to the officials, the officials read it. 
The officials take it to the king. It's read in the king's presence. When the king, King Josiah, hears it, what does he do? He rents his garments. He's, you know, he he's like, "Woe is us! We, you know, we have not been doing the law of God." Like he hears and he understands their lack of faithfulness. Um, and you know, what a contrast between that moment um, that took place, you know, in Jeremiah's early life and this moment that's taking place near the end um, of Judah's uh, history. Like, um, you know, the, the contrast of the king's response to a scroll whose origin, like again, uh, the, the scroll of the law was found in the temple. Here Baruch is pre preaching Jeremiah's scroll in the temple. The temple officials take it they then take it to the king and like the same kind of pathway of a scroll, but two completely opposite reactions of the monarch of Judah um, to the reading of the scroll. I think part of it is, uh, again, it's, I, I think it's showing the, it's, it's not an emotional response. Like you could see, like he hears a little of it and he gets mad, I don't want to hear him and tosses it. But it is that I'm going to hear all of it and I'm going to deliberately consume all of it to the flame. Like it's that, uh, you know, like some people, like when we approach them with the word of God, like they don't hear. Um, some people want listen to the whole thing and, and you know yeah, it's all rubbish and, and it's that kind of picture of the second like you know uh, alright you read it. it it's all trash and notice how he goes he tries to um, destroy the document and, and then he goes after you know the messengers um, so you know like his response after hearing it led to his presence and after he burns it the issue is commanded to go out and, and arrest Jeremiah and Baruch, and, but God hid them. Like you know, um, so I, so I think one, it's showing um, the that process of hardening of his heart. Like you know, that it's it's deliberate effort he's taking um, to to harden his heart at this moment. Um, I think the other thing um, that it represents, or possibly could represent, um, some people. Um, uh, interpreters think that this might have kind of like a magical or ritualistic element to it. So by destroying, ritually destroying the scroll in this way is a way of like destroying the power that's in the scroll. So if you think of a scroll, you know, if he, he understands the scroll in, in kind of a magical sense, that by destroying it in the systematic fashion is to undo the power in words. Um, uh, that might be a stretch, but that's how some people, uh, that's an, so some people emphasize the deliberateness to show the hardness of his heart, um, and other people think, well, no, it's, it's the deliberateness is, it's a ritual act that is kind of, I'm destroying the magical power that these words try to, 
you know, hold over me. Just like if someone, um, you know, makes a voodoo doll of you, like, and it's doing stuff you through the voodoo doll, you destroy the doll. Like, you, you have to go to the source of the magic. So it's that kind of idea. That kind of, so some people think it's a magical thinking response on the king's part. Great. destruction of the word of the Lord rather than keeping it. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. This is one of those passages that points to the failure of the king. Notice we don't get the people's, we have no idea how the people responded. Like, he proclaims it to the people and, and then it jumps to the officials. So, like, we have no, no, um, no response from the people themselves. But as, as you say, I think the, the officials that, you know, are the kind of the middle reading, the second hearing of it, they're, they're at least, we know they're afraid, like what they're afraid of might be up to question. They're, they're at least on Jeremiah and Baruch's side because they warned them. So they know, okay, you know, this is, this is we, we need to protect these guys um, because we know what, how the king's going to react. But I think right there, that's already showing they know what the leadership at the top thinks. Um, and they know the direction that Jokaikim has been taking the, the country, you know, he's been taking them steadily away. Like, you know, Josiah implements reforms and the country has slowly been like bringing Deuteronomy back into life. And then Jokaikim comes to power and it's like, nope, <laughs> let's chuck all that uh, and get back to Baal worship, get back to Molech worship. Let's, let's do all the things that we're doing, uh, uh, you know, under Manasseh. Like, let's get back to those days. Um, so it, it shows, like, even when you have a, a good king <laughs> in the system, how short-lived it is. And it, I think you're absolutely right. It is pointing us to we need a king who's eternal and who, who's not going to be wishy-washy, whose reign can't be undone by the king after him. Um, you know, so I, I think, like... Like, this is a transition that's taken place in Jeremiah's life. Like, he's, you know, he starts with Josiah, a good king, and, and now he's with 
Jehoiakim, and then he's going to get Zedekiah. Like, so he's seen both sides. Like, he's seen what a good king can do, and he sees the amount of evil that can be unleashed by uh, a king who stubbornly refuses to listen to the word of God. Mike, you had your hand up. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah, and 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 as we think about that, you know, but we have to hold two things. Two things are true at the same time. God's desire that's expressed here is true. Like that's what He wants. He wants them to to hear. He wants them to to repent. He wants them to turn away from their evil ways. At the same time, he, he knows, <laughs> like, he, again, from chapter 1 of Jeremiah, this is the moment we're heading. Both things can, you know, are, are true. God, you know, intends to bring wrath and destruction on his people, um, but he, the offer that he will turn uh, to them if they repent is, is also true. So those two things... The call for repentance is genuine, even though God knows, as you say, it may be, but they won't. <laughs> um, but as they live through the moment, and as Jeremiah as a preacher, and as Pastor Kerr as a preacher, like, you know, he, he's the call to, to Jeremiah, and at this point to Baruch, um, who uh, we, we don't get the same kind of personal insight um, to Baruch as we do Jeremiah, um, but, uh, like, we don't know, um, so, uh, so we, we get a little of what's going through Baruch's mind. So if you flip over to chapter 45, um, so the word of the, that Jeremiah, the prophet, spoke to Baruch, the son of Neriah, when he wrote these words in a book at the dictation of Jeremiah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, so in this, it's the same moment, fourth year, Jehoiakim, king, son of Josiah, when Baruch's commanded to write the scroll. Thus says the, son, thus says the Lord, the king, God of Israel, to you, O Baruch, God has to like <laughs> give a specific word of encouragement to Baruch. You said, woe, to, woe is me, for the Lord has added sorrow to my pain. I am weary with my groaning, and I find no rest. Thus you shall say to him, thus says the Lord, behold, what I am built 
I have built, I'm breaking down, and what I've planted, I'm plucking up. That is the whole land. And do you seek great things for yourself? Seek them not, for behold, I'm bringing disaster upon flesh, all flesh, declares the Lord, but I will give you your life as a prize of war in all the places to which you go. So, like, Baruch in this moment is like, oh, man, this is terrible to be the one who's delivering this message that nobody wants to hear, but he does it. And God says to him, I will protect your life. Like, you know, the destruction is going to fall upon them. You're going to faithfully proclaim that coming destruction, but I am with you. Like, and then that's that same message that he gave Jeremiah at the beginning of the book. I'm going to be a wall of bronze to you. Uh, They're going to seek your life, but they can't take it because I built um, my protection around you. Uh, He has to tell Baruch (laughs) the same thing, which, to go back to what I was saying, like for a preacher of God to faithfully proclaim God's message, uh, knowing that that often, especially in in, a public sense, that people are going to refuse to hear. Um, But the call is, is genuine. Like, uh, Calvin talk, d- deals with this great, like, you know, he, he and, and some people take his language when he talks about preaching that, you know, um, that he, he's a universalist. No, he's a universalist in his, the call is universal. Like, the message goes out. Like, and if everyone who hears that message repents, then, 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 then God will respond, truly. Like, that is the real uh, intention of proclaiming the message of God. But that message also brings judgment to those who refuse to hear, uh, refuse to repent of their sin, harden their hearts like the king here, don't listen. Um, And so the word that should bring life brings judgment. And you can see the same pattern. The word that should bring, um, you know, uh, bring forgiveness, um, and should uh, shelter the people from the wrath of God uh, instead is, is what pours it out on them even more. Yeah, and that's, that brings me to actually my second question, which 15 minutes left in class, I'm only on my second question. Um, yeah, what do we make of these officials? And as, as Scott j- has just pointed us to, one, they, they anticipate a reaction on the part of the king, and we see that like they know how the king's going to react because of their instructions that they give to, to Jeremiah and Baruch. Um, that, oh, she's so cute. Um, uh, sorry, <laughs> baby's distraction. <laughs> if my puppy was here, the puppy would be distracting me. So she was trying to distract me the whole time I was putting the Sunday school lesson together. So uh, at, at one point, she actually did type some, not words, but. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they want your gibberish, but, but thanks, May. Um, 
But, you know, we, as we look at these officials, yeah, what strikes you um, with the, the officials who, who are the ones we initially see responding to uh, Baruch's message? Yeah, Greg. Yeah, and I, I think like as we think of this, like again, like it's how applicable this is. Like I think you're right. I think they are hearing it, and they're hearing the truth, some of the truth in it, but they're afraid. Um, and when it says they're afraid, uh, I think they're not afraid of what God has said He's going to do. I think they're more afraid of you know what what's the King going to do. Um, and the reason I I come to that is because of exactly, they, they warn Jeremiah and Baruch, go hide yourselves, um, because that's what they're afraid of. And notice how they, like, again, it's, it's really, they, they are in this middle <laughs> um, situation. Like, they, they put the scroll, like, they put it in the house of the secretary, like, they store it away, and the king demands it be brought to them. So, you know, again, are they, like, all right, we're going to tell them about it, but we're not going to give it to them. Is that they're trying to protect the word of God? Like, we could read it that way. Or is it, again, not to um, unleash the wrath of the king by presenting this offensive thing to him? Um, and, and that, like, you know, uh, again, as we kind of think of ourselves, you know, we're, we've heard the word of God. Are we going to respond and be faithful to it regardless of the consequences of the world, regardless of how the power structures uh, of the earth are going to respond to that word? Um, or are we going to, you know, be afraid? Um, uh, and again, be afraid and, and, and not respond. Like, I, I think, again, like we see Baruch. Baruch's afraid. <laughs> chapter 45. Again, I, I love, it's just a one-paragraph chapter. Um, that on, on, I should have like combined with this one, but I didn't, so we'll come back to 45 later. Um, but, you know, it's, he's afraid, but he's faithful, you know. He knows, okay, this is going to have consequences. Uh, this could, this could mean my life. The king's going to, I preach this, the king's going to come after me. And again, this is, we've already seen this king kill a prophet of God. Like, again, back in chapter 26, He's already killed another prophet of God. So Baruch knows that. Jeremiah knows that. This, this is a king who doesn't want to hear this and will come after us. It could, there will be physical consequences to proclaiming this word of God, and yet we're going to do it. These officials, they don't. Like, 
Um, you know, and maybe some of them you'll notice are some of the same guys who are in, you know, in the secretary's chamber. Um, some of those same guys are in the king's chamber later on. Uh, El Nathan, Deliah, Gamariah urged the king not to burn the scroll, but he would not listen to him. So you got some guys who are standing up saying, this is wrong, you need to listen, you need to not burn the word of the Lord. Um, so uh, I think it's, a, you know, it's mixed. <laughs> they're, they're in the middle. Um, and they're caught between, all right, how do we... How do we be faithful and yet still align ourselves where we don't get in trouble with the world um, or in trouble with our king? Um, and that's, that's the position they're, they're in. Um, and I think as we think about this that's, and take instruction from it, I think you know, as people who often say things to a world that doesn't want to hear, to power structures that don't want to hear, um, this is what we have to be mindful of. can kind of see like you know they're doing the things they're supposed to do they're supposed to advise the person in power and and they kind of want to go this way <laughs> but once he sets his face this way like okay you know like uh, let's go along to get along kind of attitude and even though they know he's taking the this is wrong he's taking us to destruction um, he shouldn't be doing this but he's the king um, he's the one in power, except <laughs> uh, there's one that rules over him. And I, I love, it's just a little thing, um, and it has a human mechanism, as Scott um, pointed us to. God employs means in exercising his will. Um, so, you know, he's used these officials to, to tell uh, Baruch, go and hide you and Jeremiah, let no one know where you are. Like, so they've uh, taken this counsel. But the real power, um, the, you know, the king commanded uh, them to seize Baruch, the secretary, and Jeremiah, the prophet. But the Lord hid them. Um, so it's God is protecting his, his servants uh, in this moment. It, despite what the king wants to do to them, uh, nothing happens. Despite, like again, Jeremiah... At, you know, and the reign of this same, same king was on trial for his life. And, and yet he, he came through that. Came through it with probably a ban from preaching on the temple <laughs> anymore. Uh, there are restrictions. And again, I love how like, okay, I'm banned from the temple. <laughs> that sermon I gave didn't go over so well. They won't let me enter <laughs> the place anymore. Like he's one of those, like, uh, 
I, I follow sports, you all know, like tabloids. Uh, the, the owner of the New York Knicks is uh, this um, uh, really vindictive, uh, and I could throw all other kinds of bad words about him. <laughs> um, but he, he, he's using facial recognition software to keep his enemies out of, the, of, of uh, Madison Square Garden. Like, so people, lawyers who are, you know, part of suits against him are barred, like, like, you know, facial, they're coming in and security guards come pull them out of the crowd. It's that kind of, like, <laughs> Jeremiah's banned from entering the, the temple. So he writes it down, sends Baruch, Baruch can come. Baruch gets to, like, it's a prominent spot, like, you know, as we think about where he is, when he goes, um, he, he's in the chamber of Gamariah, the son of Shaphan, the secretary, which is in the upper court at the en entry of the new gate of the Lord's house. So he's up. So this is an ideal place um, to proclaim outside to a large audience that's gathered for a temple um, for a fast, we're told. Uh, notice the lag time between... Um, the, you know, verse 1 and, and verse 9. Um, so it's in the fourth year uh, that, the, that he gets this message to write things down, and it's in the fifth year, in the ninth month, that the proclamation takes place, and it takes place at the moment that God had told them, when there's a fast. Um, and this is not one of the, like, regular fasts that comes with the Day of Atonement. This is one of those... Um, uh, situational fast, um, like a day of fasting uh, and prayer in response to some kind of calamity. And in this case, again, at this very moment, 50 miles away, uh, the Babylonians are doing horrible things to Ashkelon. <laughs> um, so this is a good moment to like have a day of, of fasting and hopefully repentance. And I, I notice the... the um, uh, it may be that their plea for mercy, that's what a fast, like you fast, you plea for mercy, like that, that phrase there. All right, maybe this time they're having this fast, maybe they will be genuinely plea for mercy uh, in this moment in response to what God has proclaimed to them through Jeremiah, through Baruch, um, on this fast day, where there's a large number of people who've come to the temple for this very purpose. Like that's what a fast, again, a fast is, are they just going through the motions of a fast or are they really going to repent? Um, and at that moment, this word of God is, is coming to them and, um, uh, you know, it, but the king is, is setting them <laughs> against the prophet and against the words of God. Other things um, from this chapter. We have five minutes. Man, we're cruising through this thing.
And two chapters earlier, like, you know, as we looked at chap last week uh, in chapter 34, we get this process um, of describing, you know, what they do, they've done. Like they've made, um, and this is Zedekiah doing, um, not uh, Jehoiakim in chapter 34, but it's the same, as you say, it's the same, the king is supposed to be the, the one um, who is keeping the people faithful to the covenant. And in chapter 34, we see King Zedekiah make a covenant with all the people in Jerusalem to make a proclamation of liberty to them. Um, and, and, God's, and then they turn around and don't. Uh, and then we get, um, the, therefore, thus says the Lord, you've not obeyed me by proclaiming liberty, everyone to his brother and to his neighbor. Behold, I proclaim to you liberty to the sword, to pestilence um, and to famine, declares the Lord. I will make you a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth and the men who transgressed my covenant and did not keep the terms of the covenant that they made before me, I will make them like the calf that they cut in two and pass between its parts. The officials of Judah, the officials of Jerusalem, the eunuchs, the priests, and all the people of the land who pass between the parts of the calf. So that, I like, they know what a covenant is. <laughs> um, they know, uh, you know, the king as a covenant mediator. Um, yet in this case, like he's not like just as Zedekiah uh, is later going to do in that, that covenant made in regards to freeing the slaves. So Zedekiah came as he's not being the one uh, who, as Grant said, is fulfilling his Deuteronomic responsibilities. And like, again, I love how Deuteronomy is laying out instructions for kings long before there's a king. Like, you know, uh, it's like one of these days you're going to demand a king. I'm your king. Uh, you have a king, but you're going to want a human king like everybody else. And so when you have a king, this is what that king should be like. Um, and, and the purpose, again, is to, to help lead the people in faithfulness to the word of God. Um, and, and this king, like all other kings before him, fail. Um, and it's pointing us to, we, we need a king um, who, um, who, who is the word of God. <laughs> like, uh, doesn't just, um, you know, protect the word of God, but he himself um, is the embodiment, the living word of God. That's the kind of king we need.
and uh, some specific things regarding him. <laughs> like, as you say, it's increasing the judgment. And with this, um, thus says the Lord, you've burned the scroll saying, why have you written it that the king of Babylon will certainly come and destroy this land and will cut it off from man and beast. Therefore, thus says the Lord, concerning Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, he shall have none to sit on the throne of David, and his dead body shall be cast out to the heat by day and frost by night. So as we think of those added words, <laughs> um, some of them are added words of judgment specifically on him. You will be crushed by my word. And the contrast, again, between him thinking, okay, I don't like this, let's erase it. Um, you know, like, we'll, we'll burn it. People who wrote it, we'll arrest them. We'll get rid of them too. Uh, he's trying to um, diminish the word of God's presence in the land. And his action, God uses to increase it through <laughs> scroll to <laughs> subsequently revised and updated uh, to, to bring us to <laughs> recent events. <laughs> um, because you just did this, uh, we're adding to the, to the scroll. Um, further words of destruction concerning you particularly. Um, and it is like that, that hardness of heart. He's, it's this con contest. He's trying to destroy the word of God and thinking, if I destroy the word of God, I'll, I'll keep it from coming to pass. And instead, he's hastening the wrath and judgment that's going to fall on Israel. And he's making his own demise and the demise of his household that much worse. Yeah, Dave. And again, it's this idea, you know, the, to connect, like, his purpose is, you know, God, God can do multiple things through a single word. So it's a genuine offer to repentance, um, to, to break the hardness of our hearts. Uh, that word, you know, penetrates us um, and, and allows the word of life to take root in the heart. That word is powerful. Um, but it, it also brings destruction. Um, the same word. <laughs> and it's still bringing life. <laughs> it's still bringing judgment. Uh, still bringing, showing. Yeah, which again is why I think, why this, this chapter is positioned where it is, um, because it is this critical moment. Like, it's one of those kind of, uh, I mean, in world history, not just the history of Judah, this is a like, this is Babylon has defeated the Egyptians. They are now king of the mountain uh, in terms of human power. Um, Judah is at this moment. Are they going to listen to the word of God um, and repent and, and submit to the Babylonians and therefore um, 
you know, be delivered? Or are they going to resist the word of God, resist the Babylonians, and be destroyed? Like, that's, that's the choice that we've seen over and over that kings fa are faced with. And each time they refuse, which is bringing on the wrath and judgment that's going to fall upon them. Um, so the word of God is it's being offered uh, and it's being presented to them. It brings life, but it also brings death and condemnation, as Matthew said. It's the rock that uh, either is the cornerstone or it's the stumbling block. All right, well, we're at time, so let me uh, close us uh, with a word of prayer. Gracious God, we do thank you uh, for your word, um, our Savior, Jesus Christ, the word that uh, took on flesh and lived among us, um, uh, the word uh, that gave uh, his life that we might have life, um, that conquered death uh, that we might not be subject to uh, death eternal, but have life eternal with you. Lord, help us um, to have the courage uh, to be faithful to your word, um, to not just be hearers of it, uh, but to be doers of it, um, despite uh, the earthly consequences of obedience, um, to trust in you uh, and your ability to protect uh, your servants and to keep that we would uh, fear the one um, who has control over uh, body and soul and not just uh, those who uh, can harm the body itself. Lord, um, help us uh, look to you um, in repentance um, that we would hear your word and we would be cut to the quick, uh, that we would see um, the depths of our sinfulness, uh, that even as uh, we are made um, holier uh, through uh, the working of your word in us, um, but the more, we, um, uh, the more we are sanctified, the more we see um, the, the, the hideousness of the sin that's within us, and to see that we need to repent uh, even of our repentance. Um, help us to do that now um, to, as we come to worship you, that we would um, repent of our sins, um, but to hear um, your word of pardon and respond to your word proclaimed, uh, not with hard hearts like King Jehoiakim, um, but with hearts um, like uh, Jeremiah and Baruch, that uh, even knowing that your word sometimes presents hard things, uh, trusting in it, uh, and most of all, trusting in you. Uh, we ask you that you would give us uh, faith like that, uh, we pray, through uh, the power of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and our union with him uh, by your Holy Spirit, in whose name we pray. Amen.